Welcome to this week's Word on Wednesday podcast. My name is John Mason. It's great you could join us. H.G. Wells, who wrote The Time Machine and The War of the Worlds, once commented, I am an historian. I'm not a believer. But I must confess, as a historian, that this penniless preacher from Nazareth is irrevocably the very centre of history. Jesus Christ is easily the most dominant figure in all history. Yet I want to say, today millions around the world have never heard of Jesus Christ. Is the cancel culture that is so keen to silence any talk of Jesus succeeding? I'll talk more about this shortly. But first, a reading from the Bible. A reading from the Gospel of St. Luke, chapter 24, verses 36b through 48. Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. They were startled and terrified and thought that they were seeing a ghost. He said to them, Why are you frightened, and why do doubts arise in your hearts? Look at my hands and my feet. See that it is I myself. Touch me and see, for a ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. While in their joy they were disbelieving and still wondering, He said to them, Have you anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate it in their presence. Then he said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures, and he said to them, Thus it is written that the Messiah is to suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and that repentance and forgiveness of sins is to be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I'm told that the golden arches of McDonald's and the swirling script of Coca-Cola's logo are more widely recognized throughout the world today than the Christian cross. Millions around the world have never heard of Jesus Christ. Is the cancelled culture that is keen to silence any talk of Jesus succeeding? Indeed, there seems to be a lack of urgency among God's people about reaching others with God's gospel. If they do speak up, they fear what others will think. They also fear they won't have the right words. I'll come back to this later. But first, come with me to Luke chapter 24. Luke's resurrection chapter sets out three scenes. The first, angels remind the women who visited Jesus' tomb early on the Sunday morning following his crucifixion, of what he had said, On the third day I will rise again. In the second scene, Jesus walked as a stranger, 
with two of his followers on the road to Emmaus and explained what the scriptures had predicted about the Messiah. In the third scene, Jesus spoke in person to his disciples of the promises and the fulfillment of the scriptures concerning his death and resurrection. Moses had foreshadowed the need for a perfect sacrifice, as we read in Leviticus chapter 17. Isaiah had spoken about God's servant who would suffer for the people, bearing our guilt, dying for our sins. We read of this in Isaiah chapters 52 and 53. Jesus wanted his perplexed, grief-stricken followers to understand they were to interpret all that had happened to him in the light of the Scriptures. He was saying, The Bible says... Five words express the essence of what he was saying. He, the Christ, died for our sins. It's a simple statement. The first two words have to do with facts, history. Christ died. Without explanation, the event could mean almost anything. One thing for the Christian and another for the Muslim. The meaning is provided with three further words. For our sins. Christ died is not good news, whereas Christ died for our sins is. So when people ask, How does Christ's death benefit me? our response should be, We need to go to the Scriptures, for they give us the interpretation. The Scriptures provide the meaning. The New Testament interprets the Old Testament and the Old Testament interprets the New. The idea that both Testaments interpret one another may seem strange, but that's the nature of the unity of the Scriptures. Indeed, a passage such as Isaiah chapter 52 through chapter 53 provide us with a clear interpretation of Jesus' death, but they also reveal God's master plan of rescue. Jesus' words in Luke chapter 24 verse 46 are electrifying, for in telling us that Christ had to suffer and die and rise again, they reveal the depths of God's love for us. Thus it is written, Jesus said, The Messiah is to suffer, to rise from the dead on the third day. Jesus' death and resurrection is not the story of a dead man who's come back to life nor the storing of a dying and rising God, nor is it a romantic story that tells us that death is not the end. It is the story of Messiah's shameful death by crucifixion, suffering the pains of God-forsakenness on behalf of men and women who had broken God's good and perfect law. Jesus' resurrection is God's answer to the innocent man who had cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Without his death, Jesus' resurrection has no significance for fallen men and women. Unless sin has first been dealt with, the resurrection cannot point to forgiveness and new life. The resurrection is now a glorious message because it has made sense of Jesus' death. Jesus, for his part, would be crowned with the highest honours and given the greatest glory. But there's much more, much more that involves you and me today. For in verse 47 we read, And repentance and forgiveness of sins is to be proclaimed in His name 
to all nations. You are witnesses of these things. Repentance translates a Greek word that speaks of a change of mind and lifestyle. Unless we have a change of mind and heart towards Jesus Christ, asking for His forgiveness and committing to a new attitude and lifestyle in His service, there is no forgiveness. These truths are to be proclaimed to the nations. Jesus commissioned His first disciples, and not just one or two of them, all of them, as His witnesses. And as God's good news must be taken to all nations until the return of Jesus Christ, we too are caught up in this partnership today. We can't be witnesses in the strict sense, but we can introduce others to the God of love and compassion. One way we can do this is to turn the pages of the Word One-to-One with friends over coffee. The Word One-to-One has the text of John's Gospel with a helpful explanatory set of notes. You can find out more at www.theword.com in letters, then the numbers 121.com www.theword121.com Furthermore, the February Anglican Connection online conference included talks from Dr. John Lennox and Richard Borgonon. Both spoke of the advantages of this ministry. For $30, you can access the conference at www.anglicanconnection.com Jesus knew that even his close followers who had seen him risen from the dead didn't have the inner resources to go out and tell the nations God's gospel. They needed the Holy Spirit to clothe them. They needed then, as we do today, a clear understanding of the truth, wisdom, an inner resolve to talk with others, especially when we are faced with opposing voices. The encouraging news is that the regenerative power of God's Spirit is now actively at work in us and in the world. Because people's eternal lives are at stake, let's not be silenced by the voices around us. Rather, let's pray that God's Spirit will so fill our lives that our faith spills over into our conversations, enabling others to find life and joy in all its fullness, in Christ forever. So let me pray. Lord Christ, eternal word and light of the Father's glory, send your light and your truth, so that we may both know and proclaim your word of life to the glory of God the Father. For you now live and reign, God for all eternity. Amen.
Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. A prayer for peace. God of the nations, whose kingdom rules over all, have mercy on our broken and divided world. Shed abroad your peace in the hearts of all people, and banish from them the spirit that makes for conflict so that all races and people may learn to live as members of one family and in obedience to your laws. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. A prayer for those in need. O God, the creator and preserver of all humankind, we humbly pray for all who are in any kind of trouble, sorrow, sickness, anxiety, or need. We particularly pray for those who have lost loved ones through COVID-19. We thank you that a vaccine has now been produced and pray that it will be made available both speedily and fairly so that all peoples and nations may benefit. Father, we also continue to pray for people who suffer because of injustice, poverty, and powerlessness. Lord, enable us to share with others the material things that they need Most of all, in your great mercy, bring comfort and hope through the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, who died and rose to save us and to give us meaning and hope forever. We ask all this through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. And now may the God of peace, who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good, so that you may do His will, working in you what is pleasing in His sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory and honour for ever and ever. Amen. Those involved in today's podcast are John Mason, speaker and writer, Andrew Pearson, the Dean and Senior Minister of the Cathedral Church of the Advent, Birmingham, Alabama, Craig Smalley and Catherine Jacob, members of the Cathedral Ministry Team. The introductory and concluding music is from the Cathedral under the direction of Dr. Frederick Tidu and Zachary Hicks. The hymn, Thine Be the Glory, is sung by the Chamber Choir of St. Andrew's Cathedral, Sydney, under the direction of Ross Cobb. Prayers are drawn from an Australian prayer book, 1978, and the Bible reading is from the New Revised Standard Version. Please let us know if you have a question or a comment about this podcast. We'd love to hear from you. And remember, you can still register for post-conference access at www.anglicanconnection.com.